Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on November the 23rd, 2014. Now I've mentioned many times that you have to hang on to your sanity as you go through the big agenda. A huge massive agenda planned an awful long time ago, long before you were born, most of you. And uh, in fact, even your parents and your grandparents for that matter. Because cabals of men way back in the 1800s, even before, some of them in fact, manifested themselves as clubs and organizations. And some of them used empires like the ones in Britain. The Alfred Milner Group, of course, uh, really took over a good part of Africa. Uh, They merged eventually with the Cecil Rhodes Group as well and formed the Royal Institute for International Affairs. And the idea was to take over the the world's resources. Uh, These were all banking families, really big banking families that were involved in doing this, but they were awfully active, and their sons took part in a a form of massive deception. Massive deception, so that they could actually uh, have the countries they wanted to take over appear to attack, and always actually do attack, but appear to attack uh, British uh, settlers, for instance, so that the British army would would, be, would go in and pay. The taxpayers would pay for it all, of course, and they'd get the, the occupying group out, other countries, and take over. That's what they did in South Africa, in Rhodesia. And uh, it's well documented. It's part of history. It's not conspiracy as such. The guys who were involved, obviously, were conspirators at the time. But it's an open conspiracy because a lot of it was published, you see. And H.G. Wells called it all that. And, uh, it's the open conspiracy in one of his writings. That was a title. But you'll find that Carl Quigley, uh, the professor at uh, Georgetown University, who was way up there teaching diplomats uh, across the world how to work on the, the ethnic groups uh, and uh, using anthropology, their study of their history, their cultures and so on, and how to take them over for this world governmental system because quickly was an elitist and that's why he was picked by his masters uh, of the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the branch in America called the Council on Foreign Relations, the same organization. So he talked about the, the techniques that would be used to take over the world, basically. It was t- too uh, untidy for people who want to dominate the world. Uh, individualism, amongst the masses especially, where it simply couldn't be allowed because it caused problems when they wouldn't go along with governmental policies and the governments were serving the masters of the money. So uh, you understand that you can't have all these different masters and sub-masters down below. You've got to have one organization running the world, and they came up with uh, the idea a long time ago through the Milner Group that they would take it over by deception, the whole world, but by warfare, basically. They would then send in their own boys, their own families, they would take over the, the ownership of diamond mines, gold mines, and eventually oil, etc., etc., and that's still going on today. They call it resource wars today, from the Pentagon and other places, and uh, Britain has been in partnership with the U.S. on this policy for an awful long time. Awful long time, actually. They also hoped that uh, world wars would, uh, and they wrote about this too, that if they had world wars, 
then countries would be brought to their knees through the loss of life and property, uh, incredible loss of life, etc., and the cost of it all, too, that would be passed again on to the taxpayer. And so they fomented wars to get wars going and get people to the, on their knees to say, please stop all this, uh, let's have peace at any cost. And, of course, the price they wanted uh, at the top, the masters, was to amalgamate whole countries into big uh, trading groups with one system, one political system, uh, all based on the British system. And they would then um, uh, have three main trading blocks in the world. They called it free trade. It's still ongoing today, of course. And the Middle East has been ravaged in, in into Asia with the wars, ongoing wars since, since Gulf War I, basically. Hasn't stopped. And the big boys, and I've read all these articles from the mainstream <clears throat> on the air many times. If you go into the archive section at cuttingthroughmedics.com, I won't have to repeat it all. But those who've been following this know that the, the Tony Blair, for instance, had the, the top leaders of Shell and BP and all the big oil companies uh, attending him before uh, the, the West invaded Iraq and they, they decided then to, to divvy up uh, the oil production to these big corporations and America was totally involved as well the taxpayers of both countries would would uh, build brand new refineries to make them more efficient and we've been doing that of course as well free trade's awfully good for corporations because you're living in the age uh, as Quigley said, where the CEOs of corporations would be the new feudal overlords of this new feudal system. And that's what we're in. Uh, it uses democracy to get the public to sleepwalk uh, through it all, thinking they have rights and freedoms, as they gradually take all your rights and freedoms away from you into a managed scientific society, or scientifically managed, you might say. That's where we are today. Now, we've all been brainwashed. I mean, I'm brainwashed through education, as they constantly rewrite uh, history, for instance, to believe what we're told, to believe in our own age for our generation. And it's updated all the time. Things go down the memory hole, as George Orwell said in 1984, his book. And that's where we are today. Articles just disappear as though they'd never happened. And major events that you're you're suspicious about, because they they don't get the, the answers, for the, from all the questions you put forward, when, they, when the, the answers you're, you're getting uh, make no sense at all, you, you can't get details on things. So major events to get conflicts going or to take all your rights away through anti-terrorism or whatever, or even the world trade, um, are really written in advance. In fact, your minds are prepared in advance for it because the movies through Hollywood, except through fiction, you're programmed to expect something to happen. So when it happens, uh, you immediately uh, follow your cues. You've been, the cues have been laid out for you to follow, and people do follow them. So we had the, the, the haranguing of the Arab countries from the 70s right through uh, to 2001. And immediately before the dust cleared, uh, Kissinger's voice and others and Brzezinski said, it's Ben Leighton that was behind all of this. Just like that, you know, just, just, just wonderful, isn't it? How they, these guys have really good crystal balls. But that's the policy. It's written in stone now. And you, you really have no rights and freedoms under a form of martial law. They don't want to use the term martial law, but when you have no rights and freedoms, that's what you've got. It's quite simple. You don't need uh, the term to be used to be living under it. In fact, through the 70s and 80s and 90s, what used to be called old communist techniques and party lines and so on, were, uh, were started to be used by the, the so-called democratic parties 
to do with multiculturalism, the massive inflow of people from abroad, etc., to destroy the, the, the native populations of Europe, etc. And that was also uh, part of the plan of the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Through free trade, they would um, basically bring in as much labor as they wanted to across borders, national boundaries. They were to do away with national boundaries, etc., and even do away with the nation altogether. And von Rompuy at the EU uh, talked about that about a year ago. It was the end of the nation state. So well, it's, we're simply laying through a big, big plan, well-documented plan, actually, for those who care to, to read up on it. And you don't really need to know the fine nitty-gritty of the day-by-day blow. Uh, that's a caveat to an extent, or a canard, because you, you're misled. When you, you, your mind can get fried trying to follow all the little nuances, etc., uh, of of this massive program, you simply need to know the outlines of the of the the, the basic agenda <clears throat> for everything to make sense to you. And there's no guessing about it because I say it's been well written about by uh, those involved at the very top. And uh, I've mentioned uh, the different people involved many many times. Aldous Huxley talked about it. His brother Julian at UNESCO uh, talked about it even more uh, in depth. But they wanted a scientifically controlled society for our own good because the average person at the bottom uh, had really uh, wouldn't evolve anymore. Evolution's a big part of this. The elite said back in the 1800s that they'd achieved their elitism and their status, their noble status, by special selective breeding, uh, by marrying uh, wealthy people. Uh, to wealthy people who are successful and holding on to their money for generations. Therefore, they were the natural leaders uh, of the world. Then the banking profession had exactly the same thing. Uh, and, of course, you have different ethnic groups involved in all this too. And they came to a deal a long time ago that everyone at the top uh, of the tree in every country um, who had achieved wealth and power uh, were part of a global elite. So you have a big, big... Um, happy family at the top now. But everyone below that are just simply defective genes that would never, wouldn't evolve. Uh, once in a while you'd have um, a throwback of a strange combination where you have someone who was really intelligent and they would have to be either brought into the fold to work for the system and, and the agenda or eliminated according to Lord Bertrand Russell. He said if you can't bring them in, we'll have to eliminate them. That's the real world in which we live because they don't want people really communicating the real truth uh, to, to people in a way they can understand quite simply. It's a dangerous thing. It's like Mao Zedong in China. He said he wasn't afraid of anything, even weapons and so on. He was afraid of a big idea. And that term, the big idea, is what's used by the group who rule at the moment, they often call it, it's a big idea. George Bush Sr. called it, this global agenda, a big idea, you see. So these are code words and terms and phrases which they use uh, amongst themselves, but they'll say it to the public who never quite understand what they're on about. Of course, the media participate in this too. And they don't tell you either what they're talking about. So you're left, uh, most of all, just dismiss it, you see. They've been legally told, but they don't really believe it. 
because there's, there's no one to explain to them, you better take this seriously, they really mean what they say. Remember, everything which is declared from what appear to be the heads of state and so on, and countries, uh, whatever they say something in public is a legal declaration, and that's lawful, you have been told. And uh, you basically go along with everything, you acquiesce and give up your freedoms, because you don't question and say, no, I, I'm not having that, not for me. You must reclaim your mind. It's yours, after all. It's your birthright to have a mind of your own. And you must reclaim it and, and have it as your own, even if you don't agree uh, with uh, the policies or even the political correctness is rammed down your throats today. You must keep a hold of your mind, even if you don't voice what you know, because you know you're going to get stoned in one way or another uh, by the mob who have been brainwashed, and they'll turn on you, in fact, if you have any opinions contrary to their own brainwashing. And many of you also look for leaders because you've been trained to always look for leaders. It's also a tribal instinct where you'd elect a chief at certain times of uh, invasion or impending invasion to get you through hard times, things like that. So what you see it in all the Hollywood movies where someone's selected in the sci-fi or whatever it happens to be, you're the one, the one, the one. And uh, it's always going to be done by the one, you see. So we're being taught to look always for saviors who do it all for us, and they never seem to materialize. So it doesn't stop you from wishing, of course, because you're trained that way, and it's instinctive too. But remember that uh, simply yapping about things or complaining about things or isn't that terrible what they're doing to you isn't going to change anything. You must literally reclaim yourself and reclaim your dignity and have some dignity too, by the way, because, again, that's your birthright. And, uh, and you have the right to, to think what you want to think. It doesn't matter how incorrect it is politically. Uh, after all, it's your mind and not your controller's mind. Don't, don't have a controller. Think for yourselves. And therefore, you don't have to follow the, the, the so-called daily battle. It's not a battle at all, by the way, of uh, people who simply expose, 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 or keep your mind trained as though you're in a, some kind of race. If you look away, you, you'll lose the race or you'll die. It's like a horror movie. And I, I mentioned about the amygdala and so on, how it's activated during horror movies because you identify with the person who's running away from the monster. And if you look away, uh, your life might be in danger. Subconsciously, that's how it really works. That's why folk watch even the most terrible horror movies to the very end, because your, your, your primitive part takes over for survival. And the same tech is used on Patriot Radio and things like that, too. But uh, the whole point of keeping your mind is to have some peace within your mind, and you're not going to get it when you're being terrified every day. It's not a battle as you think of it. It's been an ongoing agenda, believe you me. And all the ones at the top are on board with this agenda. No one at the top is not in step with the agenda. Even when you're given fake politicians, which are all fake as far as I'm concerned, who come out and say all the right things at election time and then do the opposite once they're in. That's the standard technique that's been used for too, way too long now, of course. And there's no recall to them for them when they, when they, when they don't fulfill any promises. And after all, why should you live on promises? And why should you live for other people to, to make things right for you? It's not going to happen. I mean, it really isn't going to happen. Uh, you, you have to reclaim your own ability, your own mind, and your own rights for yourself. Because you have the right to live. 
and you have the right to live the way that you want to live, basically. It doesn't mean you interfere with other people or make yourself a darn nuisance like some psychopathic mogul on the way up. You have to uh, be decent to people and reciprocate and kind, but at the same time you don't get stood on as your neighbor eyes your property. Now, property is a right and a necessity. Every every creature in the world has some somewhere it lives. And creatures don't pay taxes for that. They don't have to get engineers coming in and doing eco-tests, environmental tests to see if you can live there or not. They, they make their homes where they want to make their homes and where they must make their homes. And it's their home. And nothing else is going to get into that burrow, for instance, without getting his head bitten off. That's the way of nature. And if we're all part of nature, then you have that, those same rights. When crashes come, and the big boys at the stroke of a pen destroy the economy or crash your your your, your currency, whatever it happens to be, uh, which of course is done over and over through the centuries. They plunder you at least in a major way, at least twice a century. The rest of the time they're devaluating it because the, the, the corn of money as it is today is simply a printing press and someone who gives them the right to print up and you pay the one who gives you the right back with compound interest. So every dollar or pound put into circulation already has an existing debt to it. So the, the value of it is lowered all the time. That's as simple as it is, actually. Uh, so therefore, uh, you expect your silly little wage increase every year that doesn't take account into account uh, the actual real cost of living going up but you're still trained to expect that. So the more numbers you have in your paycheck, the more you think you're doing okay. And it's not true at all. If you had £50 a week or $50 a week in the US back in 1900, you were doing okay, believe you me. And you could buy an awful lot for $1 or £1 back then, uh, not a cup of coffee like today. So-called built-in inflation, or as I like to call it now, quantitative easing. But you definitely have the rights of somewhere to live. Because when they crash the economies, believe you me, the first ones who suffer are those who have ridiculous, incredibly ridiculous mortgages for their, for their little home and, and their borough. And those also who are renting as well. Because the big boys who rent can make a killing during this time by getting rid of their tenants who, who kind of pay the exorbitant rents that they're paying. And out they go in the street, and then the big boys can then re-rent at a higher price. Everything is a racket in the system of money. And the concept of money, as we've had it for a long time, is completely corrupt. And a complete con as well, by the way. A complete, complete, complete con. And that's the only way anything could change in that respect, is if a completely new money system was brought in, not with the same characters who've been running it for centuries and centuries, and not by outside uh, people of government. And even then, if if a government really took care of its own money like Canada used to do, uh, people would get infiltrated into politics and eventually get appointed over them, and you get the cabal there, because that's the way that money operates. It literally attracts the psychopath into the game. And he plays for keeps, and he plays to win, and he's utterly, utterly ruthless. But, as I say, if you don't have somewhere to live, it's yours, uh, you're completely finished when things go really, really sour. And that will never change in the system unless the system itself somehow, and again, I mean magically, because I I really don't believe anything is going to change this system, to be honest with you. The big boys would never allow it never allow anything to take away uh, their, their incredible prosperity from total fraud. It won't happen. Uh, 
but you need somewhere to live. And as I say, a rabbit has more rights than you have. Uh, if you put your hand in a rabbit burrow and there's young there, that mum's going to bite your hand off, believe you me. Uh, that's the way things are. But not with people. You've been trained to be passive, <clears throat> to obey bailiffs and rules and laws. And uh, unfortunately, uh, your training overcomes, and your fear, of course, overcomes uh, your natural rights. Now, getting back to this whole idea of free trade, the idea goes way back in Britain to days of John Dee. He coined the term the British Empire, B-R-Y. He called it instead of British, but that was, it. that was the language back then. And you could pick the spelling you wanted to. It wasn't standard, standardized until it's much, much later. But uh, he explained this to the royalty of his day. And uh, he, he talked about free trade being a, a pillar of it. And through free trade, they could basically afford it. Because free trade would never be free, by the way. It was for those who already had power and wealth, incredible power and wealth. And therefore, uh, they said that... Um, he said that uh, eventually they could put the same political system across the world. Very interesting, in fact, very interesting concept. And uh, because they, they gradually merged with it. Another way to do it, he mentioned, and this was elaborated on by Quigley uh, through free trade through the British Empire of that day, was uh, and through the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, the Alfred Milner Group. Uh, Milner Group, uh, these are all banking boys and the sons of banking boys like Curtis, etc. And they, they, they said too, is through subterfuge, take over countries, dominate them through the military, put in your system of, of what would be called eventually democracy. And remember, the idea of democracy is relatively new, by the way. With the, the, the young Winston Churchill uh, mocked this idea of democracy. But anyway, they all use the term democracy when they want to go and, and invade, because they're going to free people, you see. Everything's speak, very Orwellian. And they would take over the resources. They'd establish the same system of bureaucracy, primarily bureaucracy, by the way. Because, you see, you don't elect bureaucrats. They're in for life. They're in to suit themselves and, and follow the rules that'll make them uh, get up the ladder, help them up the ladder, and make sure their, their income goes up and up and up, and they could have more power. Adolf Hitler said the same thing. He said that uh, they didn't have to bother about other political parties in the early days. He said, we need the bureaucrats on our side. That's what you need, absolutely. Because the, 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 those in charge of governmental departments, once they're told what the agenda is, they'll work their whole lives towards it, and all the staff underneath them. It's quite simple. And that's how it is today. Every bureaucrat in the federal governments of the world are on board pretty well with this global agenda because it's going to serve them awfully well, already has, by the way, and get, make sure that their jobs are very secure uh, because now they make themselves more important and more necessary to get this global agenda through. And they're, they're, they work tirelessly towards it. Plus, the, uh, so many of them belong to the big uh, groups, the private groups, of the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, the Rhodes Foundation, and so on. Uh, and they've had scholarships early on and picked by these big foundations to go into the, to the bureaucratic positions. The doors are opened and they're put in there. That's been going on for well over a century. Now, to take the world over and rule it in this new scientific fashion, on behalf of those who decided long ago that they were the natural Darwinian elite, uh, then you have to have an agenda which encompasses everything in human nature and human life and existence. That's your minds, 
that's what you do uh, and work at and so on. Do all of that. How you interact with other people, how you'll behave with other people, and hence your indoctrination into political correctness as all the changes that are put forward uh, come in to, to, to actual actuality. So you're living through a massive time of change. It's called the age of change, a century of change, actually, this 21st century. And it was called that in the last century by high levels of academia, working in sociology departments, etc., for the big boys who gave them all the grants and put them in there in the first place as professors. So everything has been covered, basically, including the outlets for those who think they're resisting. Uh, there's many caveats out there again, and people who you, you might follow, but in reality, nothing is being done by them at all, except they're raking in a lot of money, because every sector has been covered here. Every sector has been covered. Uh, I'm not saying just give up. I'm saying this is how it really is, folks. That's the hard news. Uh, you're waking up into a system. Hopefully, you're waking up into a system which is completely established already. And uh, those around you who are not waking up, as they say, or clued in, have had, had perfect indoctrination, which has worked with them better than it has worked on perhaps you. So that's how the system really, really is. Individualism is the main enemy. It must be eradicated. And that's the whole purpose of thing. things today. Groupthink. Groupthink is in from the schools onwards as you all sit in a group and you must all vote on certain uh, understandings of things and, and agree about the understandings, the authorized understandings uh, to get past marks. And that carries on through your whole life now uh, as those people around you who are brainwashed will be will turn on you if you say something uh, that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, because to the, the double think comes in to understanding. Double think is a term meaning you can hold two completely opposing views in your head on the same topic at the same time. And that's where, again, from George Orwell's 1984. Now, another big part of this agenda was also the grand finale of the banking system. Because remember, the Royal Institute for International Affairs was formed from the Alfred Milner Group. They're all the top bankers in, in the city of London and New York, etc. And because uh, the CFR is simply a branch of the same group for, for America. They couldn't call it Royal. It wouldn't go down well in America in those days. Now, I don't really know. I don't think they care much. But... Uh, back then they couldn't use royals, so they called it Council on Foreign Relations. So we're going through a massive agenda. Uh, it's been going on for generations now, and they have the public really where they want them, where they don't complain too much about big things that are happening. Uh, they don't know how to organize properly. If they do organize, they're infiltrated and taken over uh, pretty well immediately, and, um, and definitely demonized always. So therefore, they can't really have any. Uh, they, some of them even became become mainstream uh, as they're given a the go ahead as to, to to push things in a certain direction that are harmless to those in in power and control. So eventually, the entire world's money supply was to rule, be ruled by the same bunches that take over all the countries and amalgamate trading blocks that used to consist of many independent nations. And that's what we're living through today: Far Eastern Pacific Rim Block. And that encompasses Australia, New Zealand, China, and a lot of other places. And, of course, the whole of Europe amalgamated under one major political uh, parliament system and the North American Union for the continent of the Americas. So, and that encompasses two uh, other countries in the Caribbean, etc., too. So, uh, free trade, free flow of goods, 
which is only for keeping people out, of course, unless you're a member of the club. It's, it's not for everybody. Uh, if you try to get your little company to export things, they'll hammer you tooth and nail and, and tax you like blazes. But for the big boys themselves, uh, it's a way of keeping everybody else out to eliminate competition. That's really what it's about. Everything is done by deception, and that's what it means. And uh, a World Trade Organization was set up, another private organization, which was set up by the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, same group. They set up the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland. Uh, that's to be the big, that is the big power today. They set up the IMF, International Monetary Fund, private organization belonging to the same group again, and et cetera, et cetera. And all the central bank employees at the top all belong to it too. So they've already pretty well sewn up the money system, but there's still got more to do with it. And that's why you're, you're looking at more crashes as they amalgamate all the cash together and start devaluating some and, uh, or devaluing some and bring others ones up to par to, to equalize them before the total amalgamation. But you need bank crashes in the meantime, and that's what I'm going to touch on just now, is to do with the incredible amount of preparation they've put into the coming uh, bail-ins, as they call it, where they rob your tax money and, and your saving money, actually, and your RSPs. Uh, and... Uh, that will ultimately disappear as they crash the whole system in order to bring in total power for the supreme rise of the supreme ruler of the Bank for International Settlements, the private organization at the top. That's where we are today. So here's some articles here I'll just touch on tonight that's really going on, affects you all. And... um, there's one article here that says, uh, it's from Bloomberg of all places, because the member too, um, it's like, <laughs> it's like Albert Mackay, uh, he, he, uh, he wrote an encyclopedia of Freemasonry, but he said, we never, we never talk so honestly and openly as we do in pub, when we do in public, uh, because the brothers understand one thing and, and the public don't, <laughs> really don't take much notice of it. They don't quite get it. Uh, but Bloomberg's coming out here, and, and here's how it works, you see, because the old uh, uh, Alfred Milner group talks about the rise of their own banking system that would rule the politicians and rule governments and everything else. Everything is dependent upon what they call their money at the top and their right to create it and do with it as they please. So it says here that the banks to explain payouts to government job takers. Now, here's the the open revolving door policy of banks to government, governments to banks of of high-level employees. It says the AFL-CIO, which is the nation's largest labor organization, called on seven Wall Street banks to explain why their firms pay an additional compensation to some employees who leave for high-ranking government positions. That's exactly what Quigley said that they would do, and they had been doing it back in his day, in fact. This is Richard Trumka, the group's president, sent letters to banks including Morgan Stanley, Citigroup, Inc., Inc., uh, Goldman Sachs Group, Inc., uh, and J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, that asked for more information on how shareholders benefit when banks reward executives for taking government jobs, the AFL-CIO said today in a statement. The deal is a golden parachute for entering the public sector, Trumpka said, and the letters copies of which were posted online. The AFL-CIO said it owned stock in all the banks and would consider submitting shareholder proposals at the firm's annual meetings if it didn't receive responses. 
unless the position of these companies is that the, this is just a backdoor way to pay off a newly minted government official to act in Wall Street's private interest rather than the public interest, it's very difficult to see how these policies promote long-term shareholder value. Heather Slavkin Corso, who runs Labour's Group Investment Office, said in a statement. And goes on to say that uh, the AFL-CIO became interested in the issue after examining regulatory filings providing uh, compensation details, Corso said in a phone interview. We know that there are folks out there who have these provisions in their contracts, she said, declining to provide names. No, they won't tell you the names of them because, you see, they're, they're powerful people. Uh, although you've often never heard their names, high-level bureaucrats who go straight into Wall Street and down the road they go back from Wall Street into politics again or bureaucracy again. And it says some bankers' contracts allow for stock awards, including restricted shares, to vest immediately or other incentives to be paid if they accept a high-level U.S. government position. U.S. Treasury Secretary Jack Lew was asked at his Senate confirmation hearing about such a clause in his contract with Citigroup, where he worked as an investment banker before returning to government employment, according to a transcript. Trumka also wrote to Bank of America Corps, Wells Fargo Co. and Lazard Limited. A spokesman for Morgan Stanley didn't immediately respond to requests for a comment, while a spokesman for the other banks declined to comment. They could all do it in unison. They'll get in touch with each other and say, what have you said? Well, we said nothing, so that's what they do. As some Democratic members of Congress have ex- expressed reservations about Wall Street executives filling government positions, U.S. Senators Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts, Dick Durbin of Illinois, and Chuck Grassley of Iowa have said they'll oppose the Biden administration's nomination of Lazard investment banker Antonio Weiss to be Treasury, uh, Treasury's top domestic finance official, you see. And it also goes on to say tax inversions. Warren, in an article published yesterday on the Huffington Post website, questioned Weiss's fitness for the post, saying, saying he lacked experience and background to do the job. Durbin and Warren also have concerns about Lazard's role in several tax inversion deals in which companies reduce their U.S. tax bills by moving their addresses overseas. People familiar with their views have said, well, nothing's going to happen here, folks, because, you see, uh, no matter what you find out about the big boys at the top and their operations and how they work, uh, they're, they're all powerful. They're completely all-powerful, and nothing will happen about it. Apart from that, the, the Congress members, congressional members, and senators now can legally do insider trading because they know about all the governmental deals uh, and they can invest in stocks and so on of companies that have got contracts with the military or ones coming up. So that's, they've made it legal for them to do it, but it's legal for you to do it. Uh, so they, they are, they're not going to complain about this. They can't actually complain about it. They're all bought and paid for. Now... This other article is awfully interesting and, and important because it says, it says um, and this is from The Economist, new rules hemming in banks will make it easier to let them fail with luck. Now, it used to be bailouts where they use your tax money to bail out their big corporate pals, their feudal overlords, of course, as quickly said. And the new term is to use bail-ins where they simply rob your money in the bank. But they must pay their shareholders. It's different. The shareholders are different because it's, it's, they made it worldwide uh, policy, worldwide policy in every country, uh, that they must be cushioned and, and taken care of before anybody else. So, but they, those who simply deposit money in the bank will have it stolen because they're not shareholders. The depositors. It's all, it's all semantics, really. But that's how the, the that's how the legal system works. 
But says when big banks totter, taxpayers usually, usually foot the bill. Given the chaos that would follow an outright failure, bank runs, frozen payment systems, and so on, bailouts have long been the least bad option for governments. That might end under plans unveiled November 10th by the Financial Stability Board, a group of international regulators that should make it easier for banks to fail without recourse to the public purse. These, are, these organizations, by the way, are all set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs. The same guys had drafted up, uh, literally drafted up themselves for the amalgamation of the European countries into one system and the same guys who openly said in Canada, the Council on Foreign Relations uh, that they'd, they'd drafted up the ones that were signed into law for the, for the amalgamation of the Americas, Canada, the States, Mexico and all the Latin American countries This is amazing, all private organisations They sound very official don't they? And the proposed new rule, the biggest banks will have to hold buffers or total loss absorbing capacity uh, equivalent to 16 to 20% of their assets, which is the loans and investments they make, vastly more than in the run-up to 2007. The, the bigger cushioning comes in two main forms. First, banks must hold more equity than money shareholders put into the business relative to their assets. Second, bondholders who put up much of the money banks go on to lend will now be expected to shoulder losses after shareholders are wiped out. So, there you go. And it says the principle of bailing in creditors is welcome. Uh, though in theory, many of them should have been hit in 2007 and nine, but they always have that. They always save their own investors. In 2007 and in practice, imposing losses on them proved legally difficult and so seemed foolhardy to, to attempt in the midst of a crisis. Amazing, really. You think about it. A bank is a private business. And so those who invest in that bank should take the loss like any private business, but no, they pass it on to the general general public through their their gophers, the politicians. So as it goes on to say, now bonds are counted towards TLAC only if they explicitly bear losses when things go wrong. Uh, On one such instrument known as contingent convertible bonds or COCOs, I guess that's for the nuts, is counted as debt in good times, but automatically turns into equity if capital ratios drop below a certain level. The TLAC rule, which comes into force in 2019, will apply only to 27 systemically important global banks, such as the HSBC and Citigroup. Smaller lenders are exempted as of the bigger ones in emerging markets, but they're widely expected to face similar rules soon. Actually, they've already signed agreements for 2015, for those who don't know it. January 1st, 2015, they kick in for, for bailing in banks in your own countries. I read them on the air uh, last year and this year. Mark Carney, who was the guy who ran the, the Bank for Canada, although it's not really a bank as such, it's really a, a group of politicians that make deals with uh, the private lenders. Uh, that's, that's the new bank. The, the old one was a real bank. Anyway, says Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, that's where they moved them to because they just rotate them around because he's their man, sort of thing, who also chairs the FSB, <laughs> the Financial Stability Board, it's amazing who put them in, has made clear TLAC is not designed to prevent individual banks going out of business. They must limit the potential reverberations, making a bank failure more akin to that of an airline or car maker, say painful, complicated, but ultimately not a threat to the wider economy. Really, eh? the economy, never mind you, the public, eh? <laughs> That, in turn, should remove the implicit subsidy big banks have unfairly enjoyed. Because creditors have long assumed the banks were too big to fail, they also assumed they would be repaid even if things turned sour. The upshot was that the banks, the big banks borrowed at rates that were, in effect, subsidized by taxpayers. 
for those who didn't know that. We pay for everything. All big corporations get, get corporate welfare from us. We pay it all. Removing that subsidy will, will dent banks' profits, and rightly so. The TLAC proposal pushed in the same direction as four previous initiatives designed to make big banks sturdier. It says uh, bankers complain of a, a Rubik's Cube of rules. Improve one ratio and you may find that another one deteriorates. They also fret that all this new rulemaking is scaring away the investors whose money is needed to raise capital to the required level. In theory, the TLAC should be the last big global rule on capital, but regulators are still busy devising a system to ensure banks can be resolved or wound down uh, should they go bust. That's what they're saying here. So it's quite interesting uh, going through uh, the spiels we're given about uh, what they're doing just to make sure that it's harder for them to fail, basically, which is not at all. It's making it easier for them to steal all your money. That's really what this, this whole lot's about, folks, uh, and to, value, to, to devalue your money. You understand when they bring in new currencies and things, and uh, they always devalue your money by at least half, meaning the purchasing power of that pound or dollar, or whatever it happens to be. So uh, it says... Um, whether too big to fail is indeed over will only become clear during the next crisis. So they know what's coming, folks. That's what it's all, it's all about. It's, it's, it's agenda, you see, to, to make sure that one group, the same group, launching for international affairs, rules the entire money system through their Bank of International Settlements of the entire planet. That's what it's about. Imposing losses on investors such as pension funds or small-time punters is politically tricky. tricky. Recent bank failure in Portugal, Espirito Santo, resulted in a state-backed rescue which spared many bondholders. Hopefully the next time will be different. That's the bondholders, not the depositors. And <laughs> this other article is awfully good, and it's from Reuters. And it says, um, October uh, 24th, London. European banks could be forced to sell billions of euros of subordinated debt or completely reshape their corporate structure if the global regulators go ahead with new rules seeking to stop big banks too big to fail. According to the most pessimistic estimates, the European banking sector as a whole could raise to raise as much as one trillion of subordinated debt to meet new standards for total loss absorption capacity or the TLAC, that the Financial Stability Board is set to agree in November. That's happening right now, folks, for those who, who are missing what's really going on. The FSB is an international body, for, because it belongs to the Royal for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations uh, group, uh, that brings together the work of national financial authorities and wants banks to hold an additional safety buffer equivalent to 16 to 20% of their risk-weighed assets. This potential supply comes on top of the up to 600 billion European banks needed to raise, uh, they need to raise to meet the already demanding minimum capital requirements set by the Basel Committee, and completing uh, or competing the supply, um, it says here, competing supply from banks in other regions that will have to meet the same regulations or requirements. If you were to add the numbers today for the global systemically important banks, this is what they're calling them. You can't keep up with all these things. GSIBs, they call them in Europe. They are 500 billion, I guess that's um, euros, short of TLAC in the right form or in the right place, said Simon McGeary, head of the new products core at Citigroup. The problem for many European banks is they have senior, but it tends uh, to be at the opening company. Analysts at the BNP Parabas said in a recently published note that they expect additional requirements to be met with a mix of uh, Tier 2 debt 
uh, hold co-senior debt and reduction of risk-weighted assets. The estimate for the, uh, that for the European sector as a whole, that is for the GSIBs and smaller institutions, the TLAC could mean one trillion. I guess that's years again of subordinated uh, as issuance. So. When money becomes complicated, I mean, adding up things and subtracting them is not, it's not difficult to do. When they make it supposedly into a science of economics, it means you're con folk. When it's made, simple is made into some kind of science with all fancy terms and names and so on, and lots of wonderful theories, which are guesses, and that they're taught as fact, then there's a con going on. And money's always been a con. Because you see, those at the very top make money off of you. All labor really produces what they call money. It's all labor. But the, the, those who deal with the money make more money than the ones who labor and actually create things at the bottom. That's that's the the facts. Very simple, isn't it? And this article here, too, from the Financial Stability Board, the private organization that belongs to the same bunch. It's only one group running the world in the front positions, that is. It says, um, the 14th of November, 2014. It says, FSB reports to G20 Brisbane Summit on Progress in Financial Regulatory Reforms for Australia. The FSB publishes a letter from the FSB chair, a review of the structure of the SSB, FSB representation, a shadow banking progress report, and an overview, overview progress report. These links I'm going to put up tonight, by the way, for those who really care about what's, what's happening. Because this is the this is the cons as they, as they all maneuver uh, together under their big uh, um, pyramidal system to bring the money under total control of those who basically have ruled it se- by separate family members across the world for, for a long long time now into one official system you see. And it says, uh, uh, 13th of November 2014, the FSB published uh, Standards and Processes for Global Securities Financing Data Collection and Aggregation. So all data collection of all finances uh, across the whole planet, global securities financing data, uh, is, is happening right now. They amalgamate all information together using all the governmental systems and everything else and, and uh, small business systems all going into one system. And then it says that in 2014-12 November, the FSB publishes an update on the effects of reforms on emerging market and developing economies. Uh, so, and that's called EMDES. <laughs> so what they're doing, in other words, is it's all to do with uh, uh, the developing economies. We pay for the developing economies. Uh, and we, what we do is we give them huge massive grants from the overseas development corporations that are private organizations tacked into your government from uh, the United Nations, which again was set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, same bunch again, Council on Foreign Relations. So they've got it all sewn up, basically. But uh, for emerging nations, as they call them, uh, third world countries, uh, we pay for, again, more factories to get moved into and rebuild new, brand new ones for the big international corporations that already run all factories across the world. It's quite interesting, really. Boring, too, but it's interesting to know what's going on. And it says, in the 12th of November, the FSB reported G20 on progress in reforming resolution regimes and resolution planning. So, so it means uh, in the reform of resolution regimes and resolution planning for the GSIFIS, you should turn out a whole dictionary for this stuff, and reports the initial results from the launch of the Resolvability Assessment Process, which is called RAP. <laughs> Resolvability Assessment Process. And that's like, you get the RAP, eh? You get a bad RAP. But it's all RAP's pretty bad anyway. But it says... Um, 
on the 11th of November, the FSB completes peer review of the Netherlands, so Holland is into it as well, and so on. They've also put another one out on the standards of total loss-absorbing capacity. That's the TLAC for Global Systemic Banks. And uh, reappointment of chairman of the Financial Stability Board, uh, etc. Mark Carney is the boss of that now. He's, he's, he was a chosen one a long time ago by his bosses, which were not Canadian. The FSB launches improved mobile ready version of its website. So I'll put this up tonight for those who want to follow it. And I'm sure many will be copying it tomorrow and putting it out across the nets or getting their lucky employees to do it for them. But anyway, uh, that's uh, the money system because that's the big one that, to be used at the end, according to Quickly. To, to have total power over the whole globe and every person in the world, basically. And this article, too, is from the Telegraph. Goldman Sachs uh, supermarket groups must close one in five stores. Great, it's amazing. Goldman Sachs is into everything. They were the guys who also were employed and paid by governments who wanted to join the EU and the European part, a group. And uh, Greece employed them for it, and then uh, Goldman Sachs overlooked certain things deliberately and got Greece into it uh, and set them up to fail in the first place. But they got paid anyway. And Goldman Sachs Group, believe you me, is the the chosen um, front of the big international banking groups and families uh, because uh, they also own, you'd be surprised that they actually own the the military-industrial complex in the U.S. and Britain and elsewhere through their various groups and companies which they own. And they actually own them. But, but here they're, they're doing the studies for stores now, the big supermarket chains. They say store closes are only a viable solution for Tesco, as in Britain, Sainsbury's, and Morrison's, say, analysts. And uh, it says uh, Britain's biggest supermarket groups must close one in five shops in order to turn around their performance, the analysts at Goldman Sachs have warned. In a damning report in the grocery industry, the Goldman analysis, I almost said anarchist, but says analysts said closing stores is the only viable solution if the major food retailers are to grow profits again. Well, the reason they're not growing profits is because they already are chains owned by the big boys and they're gouging the public beyond belief today. And the last couple of years, in fact, the prices have just soared, again, with quantitative easing, thanks to the global agenda, uh, meaning inflation and devaluation of your currency. The purchasing power of your currency is down, so you need about two bucks for the same thing. It costs one buck. And basically, that's a simple way of putting it. The comments came after uh, Wirtro's boss, Mark Price, told the Telegraph that the big four supermarkets could be forced to start closing shops as the industry faces the biggest transformation since the 1950s. Now, they should still have the mom-and-pop ones and the family-run businesses and all the greengrocers and so on. If they had all that, the, uh, the competition would keep prices low, you had better quality and so on. And said this, this gunk they call food today, uh, which is mainly chemicals, prepackaged and so on, and prepared and and the cons to do with vegetables were such incredibly so overpriced, not by the farmer, but by all the middlemen, of course, that belong to these big organizations, the, the purchasers. The cons to keep them looking green in the store, we spray them with chemicals early in the morning before the public get in. It's just, it's just astonishing, folks, what you're eating. And, and, and it's all been approved by your government. So. But it says, the shares in Tesco, Sainbridge, and Morrison's, the listed supermarkets groups, have already fallen by 50% over the last year as their sales have slumped. Well, there you go. 
Now, the U.S. is interesting. Again, Jack Lew, the guy who, uh, you know, fr- from uh, Wall Street to government and back and forth. And Jack Lew named Treasury Secretary by the U.S. Senate. And so the budget expert Jack Lew is to be the next Treasury Secretary after the Senate voted 71 and 26 in favor of his nomination. And so this confirmed he was the new Secretary, affirming Barack Obama's choice of a budget expert at a time when Congress at the White House are at odds over sharp government spending cuts, except for people like Obama's wife now, who's all over the planet on her special planes and stuff, buying stuff. But the Senate voted 71 to 26 to support the nomination. You know, Alexander Hamilton gets a bad rap in the U.S. history because he had a different view of things than Jefferson and others. He actually applauded, unfortunately, uh, he applauded um, the great conquerors of the past who made the changes, you see, the, you know, the, the, the man, the man who did it, and, and so on. But he did make some interesting comments, too, when the U.S. was deciding, did they want a king or whatever they wanted or what kind of system they were going to bring in? And he said, do you really want uh, uh, people to have votes and so on in big government? He says, if you have kings and queens... Uh, then you might have a decent one uh, every three families or so, three generations, but with with, with government uh, employees and their families, now you've got thousands of them who want to live like royalty off of the public. Well, he made an awfully good comment on that, and I thought it was awfully good, and it's awfully true today, isn't it? Because they want to live like kings and queens, all of them, and but the money they're raking in, I mean, they pretty well are. They're, 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 they've got all these cushions there, so they, they, they don't hit the street, believe you me. They've got jobs for life, and, and they're doing awfully well off of you. As I say, those who handle and manage you and, and your cash live a way better than you that actually make things at the bottom. So it says, uh, Lou takes over just before automatic spending cuts are set to take effect. He is likely to take part in any negotiations to reverse the cuts and key budget talks next month to continue funding the government. <laughs> Why is there any government borrowing money to start with, folks? Eh? You think about it. Think about it. Yeah. And through the free trade deals, is to stop importing uh, import taxes uh, for for incoming products from overseas and things like that. That difference has been made up by you, the personal domestic taxpayer, because they ain't going to uh, do uh, take those losses. You see, that's all negotiated into these deals. Well, we'll just pass it on to the taxpayer what we're losing from import duties. Since Lou began his government service in 1980 as an aide to House Speaker Tipomil he has also served two stints at White House Budget Director as that. So, there you go. Uh, but didn't Obama picked him? Of course he didn't. It says, is Obama's beast too far for Brisbane? And this is from the Daily Mail online. The president's people. I don't know if you realize that just like kings and queens, you see, and now you've got thousands of them to, to support and make them live well. Uh, but the president's people, these are the groups who go around before kings and queens and so on to make sure that the, the route they take is all scenic and nice. You know, during World War II, Adolf Hitler's group, when he lived in the bunker, at any little trips he took uh, for any of the staff who were in the bunker with him, uh, trips outside, they would, they would pick streets that weren't bombed and so on. Uh, so they look kind of nice and neat and tidy, etc. But that's, that's not just it. I mean, where do you think Adolf Hitler got the idea from? The, the kings and queens of down through history have always done the same thing. Uh, I can remember when there was a scandal a long time ago in Scotland, and it was at the, um, I read about many years later, but it was at the new university they set up in Stirling. 
and uh, the Queen was to open it, I believe. And oh, they they hired uh, people to 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 do all the gardens and everything and so on, and and th- many thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds uh, were were paid by the taxpayer as always. Uh, to, to put all s- selected plants and herbs and, 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 and things from all over the world in this garden. And the Queen's uh, people, uh, who go around in advance of all the roots, uh, said the Queen doesn't like this colour and that colour. And so set to uproot and, and, and throw away all of these imported heathers and everything from across the world. So uh, the, 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 you, you talk about the, the decadence and we see the richer folk get at the top, especially those who think they're ruling. Um, the decadence that they're into is, is astronomical, and and to them it's a little whim. Uh, it's no major thing because they're not paying for any of it. And then that the paint for the Queen coming to Stirling, that the paint that the whole railway station and all the railroad road stations that a special coach went through on the way to Stirling, and. Uh, and and and, uh, and even cover up the, the ladies and gentlemen's toilet signs. It was unseemly. It may offend her little eyeballs, you know, things like that. Well, it's no different from the president's people. And this is articles about that in Australia. Who went to Australia? It says so. The beast too fast for Brisbane, and it says um, the president's people requested demolition of city roundabout uh, for the roads, so his beefed up Cadillac doesn't have to slow down at the G20. I just pass it on to the taxpayer. Eh? It says ahead of the G20 summit this weekend in Australia, Barack Obama's delegation made a request to have a major roundabout in Brisbane demolished, just like that. To, to hell with the public that there are being convenienced and all the rest of it. Eh? Have to build it back up afterwards. It says the reason so is enormous presidential car called the Beast will not have to slow down outside the University of Queensland, where the U.S. president is due to give a speech on Saturday. Who's written? Of course, his speech is written by somebody else. These guys are just front men, folks. You know, they're awfully well rewarded, though. You know, they'll put anything through they're told to put through. Uh, uh. Anyway, it says, however, Queensland authorities apparently rejected the request to demolish and reconstruct a roundabout outside the University of St. Lucia campus, the Australian newspaper reported. So I'll put this up tonight as well. And then this article, too, is from Zero Hedge. It says, It's with sad, uh, sadness and regret, or regret and sadness, we announced the death of money on November 16, 2014, in Brisbane, Australia. And it start, opens with, uh, from the, cab, the, 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 the actual cabaret of, called Money, uh, the, the song Money, Money Makes the World Go Round, and so by Candor and Ebb, it says, A mark, a yen, a buck, a pound, a buck or, or a pound, a buck or a pound, is all that makes the world go round. That clinking, clanking sound can make the world go round, for those who haven't seen it, you know. In the musical cabaret, Sally Bowles and the, the MC sing about money from the perspective of those witnessing its collapse in value in real terms in the great German hyperinflation of 1923. Less than a decade later, in a continent away, a young lawyer from Youngstown, Ohio, noted on July 25, 1932, her money's value could also fall in nominal terms. Well, he's just noticed, eh? It says, um, a considerable traffic has grown up in Youngstown in purchase and sales at a discount of Passbooks on the dollar bank, city trust and home savings bank. Prices vary from 60 to 70 percent cash. All these banks are now open but are not paying out funds. So now cash in the hand was worth more than money you deposit in the banks. The same old story, you see. And um, 
It says, in Youngstown, the bank deposit an asset previously referred to as money. And that's why they used to call it, you got money in the bank. Had fallen, so real, what you had in the money, and money in the bank had fallen up to 40% relative to the value of cash in the hand. The, six, the G20 announcement in Brisbane, November 16th, will formalize a bail-in for large-scale depositors, raising the specter that their deposits are, as many were in 1932, worth less than banknotes. It will be very clear that the value of bank deposits can fall in nominal terms. And it goes on to talk about it too. Money's been a racket since uh, uh, its invention. And all this is an idea, remember, a price is an idea, so they used to come up with stuff that was hard to get a hold of. So the big boys who wanted to run the early money system in ancient times, uh, of course, made it, made it silver and later gold as well. But silver was the main one because most folk couldn't get a hold of it, so they made sure that they ran the mines and they could manage the, the, the release of it. And another article, too, uh, one step, one small step for the G20, a leap for the TBTF banks, again to do with uh, Mark Carney, the Bank of England Governor and Chairman of the FSB, presenting the findings of the FSB earlier release on adequacy of loss-absorbing capacity of globally systemically important banks in resolution. This is this is a big, big one, folks. I mean, we saw what happened to Ireland, for instance. Uh, to, they wanted them on the IMF. Because when IMF comes in, they run your policies in the country. They cut their welfare, they cut your health care, everything, uh, for, to keep the profits and everything up. To, but it's also because then they can rule you. So, so, so much for your democracy when a foreign group comes in and, and rules you. Literally rule you, that's what they do. And this article, too, is also from Zero Hedge, and it says, Wall Street stunned as Iceland dares to jail bankers involved in a 2008 crash. And it says, uh, Wall Street banks are staring agog at the headlines coming from Europe, where in Iceland, the former chief executive of one of the largest banks in the country, which was involved in crashing the economy in 2008, has been sentenced to jail time. As Value Walk reports, in receiving a one-year prison sentence, it's awfully cheap, though, one year, eh? Uh, Sigurdjian Arnarsson uh, officially became the first bank executive to be convicted of manipulating the bank stock prices and deceiving investors. Well, they all do that. I mean, they've always done that. Uh, and the creditors and authorities between September 29th and October the 3rd, 2008, as the bank's fortunes unwound, crashing the economy with it. It appears he was as shocked by the verdict as Wall Streeters are. This sentence is a big surprise to me, as I did nothing wrong, he says. A good psychopath will always tell you that. It was likely all for the people's own good. <laughs> Some thought it would never happen. It says, and he goes on through it in a more detailed story here. So when receiving a one-year prison sentence, Sigurdjian Arneson officially became the first bank executive to be convicted of manipulating the bank stock prices and deceiving investors. And it says, um, when it came to his guilty verdict, he says, what, me guilty? Was the bank's executive's response upon learning of his fate? The sentence is a big surprise to me. He did nothing wrong. Well, that's what they all say, you see. This is other Iceland banks, executives also convicted. The Reykjavik uh, District Country Court had lopped off nine months of Arneson's sentencing. They were suspended. Other banks, executives involved in the situation were convicted, such as Ivor uh, Jordanson, the former director of proprietary trading at the bank, along with Julius Hederson, a former broker at the bank. They each received nine months' uh, sentences, and six of those nine months were immediately suspended by the court. Uh, 
all pleaded innocent to the charges as, as the fallout from the 2008 crisis continues to this day in the North Atlantic island and around the world. As a sign of thawing uh, in the crisis, Reuters reported that earlier in the week, uh, Landsbanki, uh, the successors to the field, uh, Landsbanken, agreed to extend a deadline to restructure bonds to the end of the year. If a bond restructuring agreement is reached, it could help the government lift capital controls which are imposed due to the crisis. So... It's quite funny, as I say, the cons that go on forever in perpetuity. And when they pretend to fix things, it's not. It's so they can plunder you more down the road, folks. That's how it really works. Because remember, it isn't just cash they're after. They don't need cash at the top. It's total financial control, which runs every part of your life. It's all finances, finances, finances. It's the biggest. The power of the purse has more power than, than, than armies. In fact, when the, when the power of the purse says to the armies you can't get any more money for weapons and so on, they simply collapse, folks. Power of the purse was to kick in now, according to quickly, and here we are going through it all, and it's all been ready for us too, under the guise of protecting you from further crisis, etc., etc., etc. Isn't it amazing? Uh, but is it really? Is it? You see, those who want power, the psychopathic types, and believe you me, you can get a lot of inbred psychopaths in these wealthy families. They literally, are, they're not stupid people. Don't, don't think that for a minute, that they're stupid. But they also imply, employ awfully good, intelligent people, well-trained to deceive you beneath them, who also have kind of psychopathic traits. And uh, they've always been in the business of plundering economies, monopolizing markets on trade and everything else for themselves, cutting off uh, um, materials for other companies that are not part of their, their takeover groups, and then the, the companies go belly up because they can't get the parts for it, so or, or the material or whatever. This is a standard operating system. You'll hear folk who are even in uh, certain other industries, including information, talking about, well, the big fish eat the small fish because they're in the business to wipe everybody else. That's unfortunately the way the system works. And uh, you'll always have these kind of characters. And when you have amalgamations of these characters working together, uh, it's, it's uh, how can they really fail, you understand? How can they fail uh, when they're all working together for the same ends and have covered every part of society, civilization as we call it, and your way of life and everything else? It's all encompassing their big war on the public. Because, you see, you can't be trusted, they say. And you cause problems because you won't go along with big agendas and you won't uh, keep forking up your, your income so that they can take the money off you for the big international corporations to supposedly keep the peace, etc., etc., etc. Tyranny never uh, comes out and says, yeah, we're tyrants. They did in ancient Rome because tyrant wasn't a bad name at that time. It was something that was necessary every so often when corruption had a, had a particular zenith. And uh, But today, uh, a tyrant has a different meaning, and tyrants uh, will always come in and say it's for the good of all, etc., etc., etc. And they use, again, uh, linguists, uh, uh, neuroscientists, psychologists, behaviorists, and all of these people to educate you, meaning indoctrinate you, uh, and brainwash you, 
uh, into accepting everything and even preparing you for it all too, including all your politically correct updates to their, their, their big branch to your fiction, the fiction creators who also call themselves the cultural leaders in Hollywood, etc. All works together, as Plato said, music industry, uh, uh, dramas, which were plays back then in Plato's day, today's movies, and so on. And you're persuaded far more easily through emotion in what you watch than actual uh, reality itself. It's awfully well done. Well, I hope you're all surviving, folks, and uh, you, I'm sure you're all noticing the weather because it's time you, you notice the weather. You see, the big, big boys at work make sure that everybody notices the weather is kind of weird as you get a deep freezes in this part of Ontario for weeks now, and then you have this sudden thaw, which used to come in January. It was normal then, uh, called the January thaw. But now they're, they're giving you a bit early to make sure you notice it. After dumping lots of snow, they want flooding in certain areas until you folks say, hey, something's wrong, uh, and they'll demand from the government tourists, you know, slightly spokespeople, uh, government, do something, do something. And they'll say, yeah, well, you're causing all this weird weather, and you're going to pay amazing carbon taxes and energy taxes and so on. Because all your money is to be taken away from you in this age of austerity, meaning plunder, and bring you down to poverty. And, you know, that's just the way it is, folks. You know, I, I don't bring you bad news. I just tell you the way it is. That's all. It's up to you how you handle news. And it's up to you what you want to do uh, for your, yourself. And the first thing, as I say, is reclaim your mind. If you don't have your mind, then you've got nothing. You've got literally nothing. If you're full of someone else's ideas, or they're telling you what to do about it, you're being fooled again. And someone's fooling you generally for massive profit. Think for yourselves. That, that, that's an incredible goal, you know, thinking for yourself. And when you do think for yourself, you're much happier. Because nothing, nothing surprises you. You know what's going along. You know all the cons that are getting played. And, uh, and your mind is prepared for things uh, down the road. You know, that's really how it is. There's so much to this. That's, that's many, many talks in itself. But um, I hope you're getting something out of this and not panicking like crazy because I'm not in the business of terrifying the life out of you and then telling you what to do so that, so that I would get awfully rich. By the way, mentioning money for those who enjoy what you're hearing and uh, for, the, for those I wish they, they would who have grabbed the material and ran with it and published stuff and so on from all... Um, uh, it'd be nice to get an occasional donation uh, Just to help me take over Because I, I just take over um, I, I could go the total opposite way And be big business But I'm not going to do that Because um, that's not the goal of it I think you're involved If you're involved in big business And you get greedier and greedier and greedier And you know, it's all kind of dirty tricks to, to panic the public and sell things to them And stuff like that And that's not what I'm really out to do But apart from that too You approached by the big boys um, because whenever they sniff big money getting made too They want a, a cut of it And then they can help you along And get it up even higher As long as you, you give your cuts off to them The world is totally corrupt And I think money uh, is the key to, to promoting all kinds of corruption unfortunately Because everyone's terrified of the, the usual things Poverty, homelessness, uh, disease, friendlessness No friends, things like that because these are basic requirements, clothing, food shelter, clothing, all these things. And when you're poor, you know what it's like. You don't want to be down there, believe you me. Um, so therefore, you're terrified of the basic things. And the big boys know it too. So that's what they're always telling you, to be aware of the basic things. You might lose them all. You might lose them and terrify you. Uh, and that's what you to work hard and stay in your rotten jobs, etc. 
uh, as they fleece you with more taxes and everything else and devalue the currency. So you're not going to win by even obeying them. Uh, it can't happen. It won't happen. It's not meant to happen. They factor everything in. But you can reclaim your mind, and that's a pleasure in itself. It doesn't mean you'll be awfully, awfully uh, full of friends across the world, but you, you will have um, peace of mind within yourself. And once in a while, you'll meet someone who's of an ilk, a similar ilk. And um, Plato said it himself. If you, meet, if you meet four or five people in your lifetime and influence them, you've done an incredible good job. And if you've got four or five friends throughout your life, that means you don't have them all at the same time, generally. You've done awfully well, too. Today, everyone's been fooled by, you know, their friends on Facebook and friends, all that nonsense. It's all nonsense. It's not real. It's not real at all. Because in this system of corruption, when you're wiped out financially, you're on your own. You're, you're on your own, folks. There are some groups that, that handle it better because they, they saw this in the Middle Ages and so on. The Mennonites that came out of them, different ones like that. But they, they realized the cons that went on with cash and money and, and lobbyists getting kings to put laws through so you had to buy all your tools for, for agriculture from one massive company. Things like that. That happened, you know. And that's why a lot of these groups formed. And they, they decided to make all their own stuff themselves, be totally self-sufficient. And down through the ages, they would always be able to survive, be self-sufficient. There's not enough of those particular types of groups. Really not. Everybody else, though, who thinks they're free and freer than the Mennonites are actually over a barrel because everything they need uh, comes to them if they buy it through this thing called money. There's never the same value one day to the next. What a joke is that? But say you can help me out, folks, because I've got bills here myself. As long as I get my bills paid, I generally say I'm doing pretty good when I get them paid. And can help me tick along, hopefully, because I've got all these sites to, to pay for. I've got a vehicle, that, that, as you well know, what's happened with the transmission. And I've also got um, pump problems with the well, etc. All these different problems coming down. Plus, I've got bills to pay like you all do. And I don't have as, probably as many types of bills because I don't have cell phones and all those kind of things. And, and I'm not buying apps and all that kind of stuff either. Uh, I'm down to bare essentials almost and... And that's a good way to be as well, by the way. So I hope you're all doing well and surviving, and I hope you will think for yourselves. Don't just parrot me or someone else. Think for yourself. I can show you ways to do things, but it's up to you to think for yourself. Reclaim yourself. It's your birthright. From Hamish Michelle from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.